0: nineteen thirty forty seven Minnesota Elizabeth Shank versus Carleton College.
1: Okay, Miss Barons, we'll hear from
0: you. Uh, good morning. Thank you, uh, Your Honors. I represent Elizabeth Shank, and I'm before the court asking you to reverse the summary judgment granted in favor. Of Carleton College on the claims that were remaining after Carleton College's motion to dismiss. I'd like to start with the Title IX claim and I would ask the court um, to look carefully, as you will, at the factual record here because uh, there is substantial material fact disputes about a number of actions that uh, Ms. Shank has alleged showed that uh, Carlton was unreasonably uh, acting, clearly unreasonably, on known facts. Um, and I will begin chronologically, uh, starting with uh, the procedure that was held against Student One. Um, it is undisputed that Student One raped Ms. Shank. In a Carlton dormitory. It is also undisputed that right after the rape, Ms. Shank went and sought um, medical attention and uh, a token to get to the hospital. Uh, it's undisputed the token was not given to her. Um, although I, I believe that there was a dispute about whether she asked or not. But again, on a summary judgment, that should be resolved in Ms. Shank's favor. It is undisputed that alternative housing, a right that Ms. Shank had under Carlton procedures, was not offered to her at that point. She spent a number of months living across the hall from the, the, the student who had raped her. Um, ultimately, it came out that um, that she had been raped by student one. It further came out that student one had been offered uh, a residential assistant position at Carlton, and at that point, Carlton largely took over um, the procedures. Could,
2: uh, could Ms. Parents, I'd like to ask a question on something that you just mentioned, and that is the. Wet, when or whether uh, Ms. Shank was moved from her dorm room. Um, if I understand correctly, um, the Carlton, is it undisputed that Carlton didn't know the identity of student one in the fall? Is that correct?
0: It is undisputed it did not know the identity, but starting in February, Carlton. Right, right. And,
2: and I understand that. So my question is. Did Carl, is it undisputed or is it in dispute whether Carlton knew where um, the unidentified student one lived? In other words, if, is it undisputed that Carlton knew she, he was on the same floor, dormitory floor? Or was is un- that still unknown?
0: It, it was undisputed as of February. But there not
2: was, as of September?
0: That's correct. Okay. Although,
2: Thank you. It was,
0: yes, okay. Um, and, uh, Back to the chronology, um, once, Car- once it became known that um, student one had been offered an RA position, um, many of the rights that Carlton had told Ms. Shank she was entitled to under their policies, including rights that were not dependent on whether or not she brought a complaint were taken away from her and it's undisputed um, that she was not advised. Shank was not advised that if she failed to come forward and assert a complaint on her own behalf, that a lot of those rights she would be deprived of. Um, I think there are material fact disputes about um, whether Shank wanted to attend the hearing or not. But I think it is undisputed that the investigator never. Spoke with Ms. Shank, even though Ms. Shank um, had submitted a written statement that Carlton was aware was incomplete. It is I have, undis- a, I
2: have a question about you. You mentioned that um, one of the assertions is that Carlton failed to inform Ms. Shank of what you're calling rights she would give up if she did not proceed as a complainant had had Carlton not proceeded with a complaint what what rights would Ms Shank be giving up? In other words, I understand that there's a concern that once Carlton went through with the complaint, she was no longer a party, so to speak, to it, so could not appeal the, the result or be sort of a participant as she otherwise would be if she were the complainant, but if that hadn't gone through, were there other things that she would have been giving up that you're asserting Carlton should have told her about had Carlton not gone forward?
0: Um, absolutely. Um, I guess maybe I'm misunderstanding the question, but if Carlton had not come forward at that point and taken over the procedure, all of the rights that were under the policies would still have been in Ms. Shank's court. And we argue one reason why Carlton acted clearly unreasonably was because a lot of those rights should still have been in her court. For example, the right to appeal. Um, The Clery Act says that colleges have to have a procedure where the victim is allowed to appeal. Not the party, not the complainant, the victim. It's clear that Ms. Shank and her mother asked Carlton to appeal the sanctions. That right was denied. Whether or not Carlton went forward with the complaint, that is a right that Ms. Shank should have had. and it is undisputed. Those are undisputed facts, for example. Um, so, I think- so
2: to get that right of appeal just so I, I want to make sure I understand the crux of the complaint that she should have had the opportunity to bring her own complaint, which would have had a part of that, the right to appeal any decision. Is that what you're saying?
0: In part. I'm also saying that even though Carlton went forward with a procedure, Shank should still have had a right to appeal, whether or not she was the party or the complainant. And in fact, the dean at the time, Dean Wagner, said even though Shank was not the complainant, which is an argument that Carlton has made, she st- still should have been allowed to participate in the process. So I think it's two-pronged, Your Honor. I think it's because the facts are that Carlton did go forward. She was deprived of rights of which she was not informed and Joanne Mullen testified, no, we never told Ms. Shank that if this proceeded forward, she would lose these rights. But our position always is, also is even with the factual record as it is, Shank was still deprived of rights she was entitled to. I think there are also material fact disputes about the one-on-one meeting that occurred in October of of Ms. Shank's sophomore year. Um, I believe there are material fact disputes about whether or not Ms. Shank with the second student who raped her whether she wanted a procedure to go forward, whether she was told she couldn't bring a formal complaint against student two because student two was graduating in several months. There are undisputed facts that Carlton was on notice that student two was a predator and they did nothing to other than I should not say they did nothing. That's not correct. They did issue a no contact order as regards the four students who filed community concern forms against him, but there was no other action taken to prevent him from preying on other, in his case, female students. Um, There are fact disputes about, uh, as regards student one, uh, Whether the sanctions were commensurate with other students who have been found in violation of the sexual misconduct policy. And I'm aware there's case law that says inadequate sanctions are not enough to state a Title IX claim. But we have so much more than that in this case more than just inadequate sanctions. Even the inadequate, even the sanctions against student one that were levied. It's undisputed that they were not enforced. He was required, for example, to get six counseling sessions. Undisputed, he only got one. Nothing was done. So even the sanctions that were imposed against student one were not enforced by Carlton. Um, there's a fact. Counsel, um, qu- question for you. Uh,
3: is, it, um, is it undisputed verse that Um, the appellant here did not and would not reveal the name of the um, alleged perpetrator for an extended period of time and and if that's the case, is that significant or do I understand your argument to be that that uh, time period in in which she did not want to reveal the name of this person preceded the um the deficient actions of the of the college and what you're complaining about comes after the identity finally came out through other other sources
0: uh, your honor the identity came out in may of 2012 and everything i've been talking about other than for example Uh, the failure to offer alternative housing right away that occurred um, earlier but everything i was discussing about student one occurred after his identity was known and frankly i think that's the reason why so much of this happened it's undisputed that carlton did not at that point in time have a procedure to address this particular situation one of the carlton witnesses admitted that Carlton was making the procedure up. She agreed, she didn't admit, she agreed that Carlton was making up this procedure as it went along. And I think that goes to the heart of why so many um, clearly unreasonable steps had been taken. So it's after his identity was discovered and more than that, it was discovered that Carlton had offered him a resident assistant position.
1: Okay, I take that as an answer to Judge Shepard's question. You are in your rebuttal time. You can use it now or save it.
0: Um, I would prefer to save it, Your Honor.
1: We'll do it right now. Thank you. Thank you. Uh, uh, Mr. Uh Good morning. May it please the court, uh, Sean Sommermeyer
3: representing defendant uh Lee Carlton College. <laughs> your Honor, Ms. I, I submit to the court that the material facts of this case, that the true material facts that matter to the outcome of, of the legal claims are not in fact in dispute. While a student uh, at Carleton, Elizabeth Shank reported two separate incidents of sexual misconduct by fellow students. With respect to the first, Ms. Shank repeatedly expressed reluctance about pursuing a complaint against her alleged assailant. But she was nonetheless concerned when she learned that he might serve as a resident assistant.
1: Counsel, let me interrupt you off the bat to say, as you know, they've got two experts who'd say that's normal. How do you respond to that as a college and as the attorney here today?
3: Uh, How do I respond to the the expert testimony? I think that's what their
1: experts are really saying, is that's normal.
3: Sure. There's no dispute that that may be normal, but there's also no dispute that under the law, Carlton can only act and respond to information that it knew at the time. If Ms. Shank was reluctant or didn't want to disclose the identity of, of her assailants or didn't want to proceed, that is that is her right. But, but Carlton nonetheless has an obligation under the law to uh, take appropriate action when it learns of, of sexual misconduct.
2: If, if, now, and if, Car- if Carlton knew that um, the unidentified student one lived on Ms. Shank's uh, dormitory floor by February, why didn't that trigger the obligation under its own policies to find her alternative housing?
3: Now I, I want to focus on the, Kelly, in answering your question, I, I want to focus on the, the undisputed facts with respect to that incident. Ms. Schenck had been living in the dorm um, with student one since uh, September. She had not brought any, she had not brought the assault to the attention of any, uh, of any authority at at Carleton. She was hospitalized in February. She returned to her dorm room uh, with the consent and and support of her parents and and health professionals. Uh, She did not want to disclose the identity of student one at that time. Now, it it is not clearly unreasonable uh, for Carleton knowing all of that information to allow Ms. Shank to return uh, to her dorm. I think the, the. No,
2: maybe I misunderstood. I thought in February, when the when the poster came out, that then while he wasn't identified by name, I might and perhaps I've misunderstood. But I thought Carlton at that point knew either through the community forum notations or some other information that student one at a minimum lived in her dorm or on her floor. Is that not right?
3: That's correct, it, it did know that in, in February.
2: And in, so why in, wouldn't that trigger their obligation to um, to at least offer the move at that point? That
3: I, I don't believe there is an obligation under under Title IX case law to, to offer a move. Now it's, it's undisputed that within a couple of weeks, of, I, I think four or five weeks of returning to her dorm, Ms. Shank asked to be moved. And, and when she did, she was moved immediately. And, and Carleton staff made sure that that move was, was facilitated without her having to explain her situation or the reasons for it. And I think the, the closest case here is, is the Maher versus Iowa State case, where the, the, the plaintiff in that case said, it, it was deliberately indifferent for you, the school, not to move me when I requested it. And this court found, uh, no, it was not, uh, deliberately indifferent, not to move the the plaintiff during the pendency of the disciplinary proceeding. So, uh, you know, just re- returning to um, to a, a couple of the, the high level points, you know, that that show that that Carlton's response was far uh, far beyond the, the clearly unreasonable uh, standard that applies here. Now, uh, as I mentioned, because Ms. Shank was was reluctant to bring a complaint, uh, Carlton decided that that it would bring one in order to bring about the outcome that she had expressed uh, desire for, which is student one losing his RA position. Uh, As part of that process, Ms. Shank was given the opportunity to submit a written statement and to opine on what she believed uh, would be an appropriate sanction. Now, Ms. Behrens raises the issue of, uh, makes the argument that there was some dispute of, of fact as to the degree to which Ms. Shank wanted to participate in the hearing. What What is not in dispute is that Ms. Shank testified in her deposition that, that she asked Ms. Carlson, her advisor in this process, may I participate in the hearing? And the district court accepted that testimony as as it must as true now what is what is not in dispute is that after she knew she would not be participating in the hearing Ms. Shank was given the opportunity to supplement her written statement and and ask specific asked specifically to opine on what sanctions she viewed as as appropriate for student one so in that in that disciplinary process uh that, that process that, that I'm describing resulted in, among other things, the, the loss of the RA position for student one and uh, the imposition of a no contact
2: order. Is that is Do I understand the record correctly that Carlton had never proceeded as the school in a disciplinar, disciplinary action in a case like this that had always been on behalf of a complainant?
3: Yes, Judge Kelly, That's the, the, the testimony is that this is that this was the first instance in which carlton the institution acted as a complainant in a sexual misconduct case
2: and and is it undisputed that ms shank was not told that the that the that carlton was going to move forward
3: the, the testimony on that point your honor is that ms shank there is testimony from uh, some of the deans who were involved in the process that Carlton was considering moving forward as the complainant, and that they did not disclose that to Ms. Shank because they wanted to give her time and space to make a decision. She was still in the process of deciding whether she wanted to bring a, a complaint in her own name. Now, well,
1: counsel, the, on the on the poster, as I understand, you're you're drawing a very fine line. She complains about the posters, and the posters are pretty provocative. Candidly, when I when I looked at it. Uh, she complained about the posters, and I think the district court and you are relying upon the fact, well, they didn't take them down when she complains about them and it was upsetting to her. You, you, I, I, don't you take an awful legalistic approach to this on the
3: poster? Uh, I, I respectfully don't think I take a legalistic approach to uh, Judge Benton, I, I think the, the key issue with the poster is that when Ms. Schenck uh, complained about the poster, uh, Carlton did not know the identity of student one. So it is not- Yeah, but they had, knew it was
1: somebody on the posters.
3: They knew it was somebody on the posters. They they had, they, there is testimony from uh, from Julie Thornton, one of the Carlton deans, that given the information Ms. Schenck chose to disclose at the time, uh, they were they, they took steps to, but were unable to identify who that was, based on the, the handful of facts that that they knew, that the dorm location, the fact that he now was the, on the other, athletic.
1: the other posters are not in. Uh, there's only one poster, right? One go hard poster in the in the uh, record, right? Or are several of these athletic posters in the record?
3: I, I don't know that those made it to the appeal record, Your Honor. I mean, the, the I believe there's testimony in the No, no, record. Counsel,
1: the record on appeal is the record in the district court. Sure. In the record, in the district court, is there other exhibits besides just the one that's 117 Thornton, whatever it is here?
3: Yes, there are other posters like that of other individuals.
1: Okay, no, but are they in the record in the district court is my point.
3: Yes, Judge, they are.
1: Thank you. Go ahead. Uh,
3: you know, I, I think another... Key issue on on the poster, and and this kind of dovetails with the the Ms. Shank wanting to fault Carlton for for her remaining in her dorm, is that Carlton knew that that Ms. Shank had, had as I said earlier returned to the dorm with with the assent of her parents and her medical professionals, and and had a plan for ongoing treatment with a therapist at the college.
1: Oh, sorry, I, I another question on the poster. I I used to argue cases, I hate this, but I'm going to do it to you. Uh, does the record show how long the posters were up?
3: Not, I, I don't believe so.
1: Okay, because as you know, uh, those of us been to college, you know, some are up for a long time, some are up for a short time. Uh, right. but, but, I'll, but I'll now go back to where you were. Sorry for the interruption. Go ahead. Sure. I,
3: I, 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 wrapping up the issue of the poster, uh, Judge, I, I think the, the key point is that Ms. Ms. Shank has not presented any case law that that would hold that the presence of a poster or even something like that uh, would amount to deliberate indifference to known acts of of sexual harassment or sexual assault. And I think but, that but
2: wouldn't it wouldn't it be like the the reaction of Carlton once they knew her reaction to it? It seems maybe not the uh, you know, putting aside your view of the poster, but just putting them up, not knowing. Um, that Ms. Shank would have a reaction is different than not taking them down once you do know that she had a reaction to them.
3: No, I, I agree with that distinction. I, I do want to make one point, though. There, there is not testimony in the record that, that as to who exactly hung the poster. There, there's speculation that it was uh, a student poster as opposed to a, a something sanctioned by the, the Carlton team. But and were I, they I taken
2: down? Were they taken down
3: by Carlton? no there's not there's no testimony that they were uh, I, I think that the, the key legal point and, and the closest analogy I was able to find in, in this court's case law on this point is the Cver Stockton case where the the plaintiff was saying that that the college's failure to investigate uh, her report and the failure to offer medical services uh, amounted to you know deliberate indifference and and what this court found is that those allegations were, Linked the college's inaction to emotional trauma, and what Title IX requires is that those allegations amount to deliberate indifference that that caused or made the plaintiff more vulnerable to assault, and and that is that is certainly uh, nowhere in the record with respect to the presence of, of this. Well,
1: posting. that sentence in Culver-Hopton uh, in Culver-Stockton is liable or vulnerable to harassment, right? If you actually read the sentence, right? Sure, correct. You said assault, and I think the word I'm sorry, are i, I did not meet yeah. yep. uh, I, I want to touch
3: on the one on one meeting because I don't, I, the, the, there is no dispute as to, uh, as to the, the key facts of the one on one meeting. Now, Ms. Shank, and, and I, I want to be clear on this, and I, I want to read the testimony from the record. Ms. Shank testified that it was she who insisted that the meeting occur alone one-on-one with student one, even though Carlton had asked whether someone else can be present uh, on page 865 of the appendix is, is Ms. Shank's deposition testimony. Uh, question, Ms. Shank, did you refuse to meet with student one if anybody else was present? Answer, yes. Question, and you communicated that to Ms. Carlson. Answer, yes, There, there is no, other reading of that deposition testimony that it was Ms. Shank's decision and Ms. Shank's decision alone to meet one on one with student one.
2: What about the de- the decision to or the idea of meeting all together? Just the the idea of this meeting is that is it undisputed that it was her idea or is that still a, a matter of, of
3: disagreement? It, th- there's there's no there, there's no dispute about the idea, Judge Kelly. The Ms. Ms. Carlson, I, I apologize, if it's confusing having a Carlson in this case, but Ms. Carlson, who was her advisor in this process, testified that in response to uh, a, a query from Ms. Shank about uh, exploring the possibilities for closure regarding this incident, Ms. Carlson said, I proposed the possibility of a mediated conversation. Now, right. m- mediated means, uh, mediated is not one-on-one which is what ms shank ultimately insisted upon but that that's the only real dispute with respect to the meeting um you know there there are other there are other undisputed facts related to that meeting including that ms shank prepared guidelines for it that she told ms carlson beforehand that she was ready and that she told ms carlson afterward that that it had gone fine so I, i don't think the the meeting uh poses anything close to a a dispute of material fact in this case. Uh, I want to touch briefly in my last 20 seconds on, on student two. Um, Ms. Shank testified, not that, not that Carlton tried to talk her out of a complaint. She testified that Ms. Carlson asked, are you sure you want to bring a complaint and encouraged her to focus on academics that is not talking somebody out of filing a complaint. And, And Ms. Shank went back, met with her friends, and decided she, in her written statement, did not want to proceed with a complaint. Okay. So I see okay. I'm at zero and I appreciate the court's time.
1: Thank you, Mr. Schoenemeyer for your argument. Ms. Behrens, we're back to you.
0: Uh, thank you, Your Honor. Um, I just wanted to circle back on a couple of um, questions and I largely agree with um, Mr. um recounting of some of the factual record, but I, I did want to clarify a, a couple of things. Um, one of which it, it is in the record um, that when Ms. Shank returned from her winter break in her freshman year, that is when she began seeing the posters of Student One. So that's roughly the time frame is like January of 2012. It would be, and then. Um, Ms. Shank also testified later that when she was allowed to uh, move in April that the posters that were hanging right by her dorm were um, still there. So that's about all that's in the record about how long the posters had been hanging.
1: Thank you. In- anything in the record about who really put them up?
0: No, Your Honor. Um, there, There is none. Um, Thank you. We had argued that because yep. they said Carlton track and field. You understand the argument, Your Honor.
1: Yeah, yeah, proceed.
0: Um, as regards the one on one meeting, um, it is under- disputed that it was Carlson's idea that there would be a mediated conversation. Um, what the record shows, though, that the coercion that we have argued about was the coercion that. That Carlton imposed on Ms. Shank by telling her, Ms. Shank comes back from summer, her summer after her first year. Carlton has not issued yet the written no contact order, and Ms. Shank is seeing Mr. um, Student One, excuse me, all around the campus. So she goes to Carlton. She says, "Why am I seeing him everywhere?" They issue the no contact order the next day she has realized that she is really struggling seeing student one around the campus. She is told the only way you can learn about the other sanctions against him is by meeting with him. So the the meeting did not occur in a vacuum. There was a background as to why Ms. Shank was at that point willing to meet with him and, uh, So we would argue there is a jury question about whether that constitutes coercion or not. Um, As regards student two, I think there are fact disputes about what was said to Ms. Shank um, as regards pursuing a claim or not against student two. Um, The bottom line is there are enough fact disputes here that we would ask this court to remand for a jury trial. Thank you, your honors.
1: Well, thank you, counsel, both for your argument. In case number 19-3047 is submitted by decision for the court. Ms. Smith, please